Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers around the globe. I am your host, Alexandra Aguilar Garcia. I am a director at BLP Costa Rica, and it's my pleasure to be here with you today. In today's program, we have the opportunity to bring Manuel Acevedo. He is an associate in the firm Boga Abogados in Paraguay, and he's an expert on immigration and administrative law in his country. And he will give us important updates. So, Manuel, how are you? Hi, Alexandra. Nice to, nice to talk to you and hello to everyone at ELA. Thank you so much. It's actually our pleasure to have you and it's great to hear that you are well. So I think that we have many questions for you because we want actually a really good update on what is happening on immigration law in your country. Yeah. So I think that my first question for you is what is the regulatory framework governing immigration issues in Paraguay right now? Yeah, that's a good question to start because we have a new regulatory framework. Now in October last year, so very recently, a new law came into force, Law 6984, which has completely overwrite the former law, the Law 978, which was in force for almost 25 years. So there are some new regulatory issues that were introduced by the new law, by the Law 6984. Nevertheless, it is important, very, very important to mention that it is still pending to be regulated by a regulatory decree. Maybe some of you doesn't know that in Paraguay, laws sometimes are very general, very broad, and needs to be regulated by a regulatory decree that put down to earth some of the provisions of the law. So that's very important to mention. According to the new law, the executive branch has 180 days that says six months to regulate the new law. So let's say that by April, the new law has to have its regulatory decree. And we will see some further news on further updates when that happens. Thank you, Manuel. That's really interesting because here in Costa Rica, it happens the same. For a new law, oh. we need a regulation. So in my case, I can understand the importance of that regulation. So mm -hmm. now that we know that you already have a, a, new, well, a new law, It is important for us also to understand what are the main new aspects introduced by this new law. Generally speaking, we can say that the new law is less bureaucratic than the former. This might change with the regulation, but so far, the new law is very, very less bureaucratic than the former. And it is important to mention that even though the regulation is still pending, the new law is in force and the former is not, not in force anymore. So for the time being, all applications are regulated by the new law, by law 6984. So for those applicants that apply for their residency, now it will be less bureaucratic. Well, that's, that's good because actually it's great news. Yeah, to, to figure out there is no transition period. Let's put it this way. The new law is currently in force. The former okay. is no longer in force. So for those applicants, we have a lot of clients here at the firm that are now currently undergoing their, their application under the new law. And the process is very mm -hmm. swift. Okay, Manuel. No, I'm taking notes. It's really important to understand that it is already effective. 
So you are only waiting for the regulation, but it is effective. It is important mm-hmm. for us to understand yes. for all the audience as well. So yes, it's fully effective. Yeah. Yes. So another question is that what are the categories of residents under the new law? Under the new law, there are also three categories, same as in the former ones. The fact is that they have slightly changed their names on the one hand. And on the other hand, some, especially the temporary one, has some new aspects that are very important that we will see further in the podcast. But the three main categories are occasional or spontaneous, that formerly was known as precarious, the -hmm. temporary and the permanent. Okay, no, that's great. And now that you are talking about categories, what are these main characteristics of each of, of these categories? Yeah, for the spontaneous or occasional, this kind of residency of this permit is mandatory for all foreigners that come to Paraguay for at least 90 days, that want to reside in Paraguay for at least 90 days, and that want to perform any kind of work or paid work here in Paraguay. This type of residency or permit is extendable for another period of 90 days. And usually this permit is requested by artists or consultants or visiting scholars and people who doesn't want to stay less than six months here in Paraguay. Mm-hmm. But it's mandatory. And if you don't do that, and if you, if you perform some work that is presumably to be paid, the immigration office can reject you and kick you out of the country. So it's, it is important that even though you stay for a very short period of time, you have to at least file the application. As I said before, the regulation is still pending, so we don't know what's the timing for obtaining this time of permit. But the previous one, the precarious that mentioned before, it was obtained in two, three days, maybe. So this probably will be the same. Well, no, that's great. We hope so. They keep the same terms. Mm-hmm. And now for people who want to make business in your country, what are the requirements and the main aspects to apply for permanent residence as an investor in Paraguay? That's a very good question. Before, Alexander, if you follow up, yeah. I will briefly comment on the temporary and, and the permanent residency, especially the temporary mm-hmm. is, is mandatory for those foreigners that want to stay for 181 days or more up to two years. And here there is a, a very, very interesting news is that with a temporary residence, you get an Paraguayan ID. Before, under, under the former law, the Paraguayan ID was, the applicant was able to get it only with the permanent residency. Now you can obtain it with the temporary and you obtain a Paraguayan ID that lasts for two years. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting because mm-hmm. with the Paraguayan ID, you can open a bank account and you can have full faculties being a member of a board of a corporate entity here in Paraguay. That's very important and very, very foreign friendly. Let's put it in these terms. It's similar to Argentina. In Argentina, you can have, I don't know other countries, but in Argentina, you can have an Argentina ID with a temporary residence permit. And regarding the permanent, some aspect that I would like to highlight is that it lasts for 10 years and is renewable, but before, under the former law, you could have applied for the permanent residency directly. Now you have to go through 
the temporary first and then the permanent. Unless, as you mentioned before, you apply for the permanent residency as an investor. Ah, okay. No, that's great. Thank you so much for, for making those differences because it is important for all the audience to, to understand that. Yeah. And going to your question, uh, Alexandra, regarding what are the requirements to apply or for applying for a permanent residency as an investor, then avoid the temporary residency. The requirements are, in simple terms, are four. First, you have to present a project of your investment in Paraguay. The project must have an approximate, an, an amount of investment of at least 70,000 US dollars. It must foresee that you, the investor or the applicant, will hire at least five Paraguayan employees. And everything must be in the form of an affidavit or an statement. And the application is submitted before the Ministry of Industry particularly before the SUASE, which is a, a directorate that is competent for or handles all aspects regarding foreign investments within the, the Ministry of Industry. Since the new law lacks of regulation, the requirements are very, very, very simple. So the whole project or the whole venture could be drafted in a one-sheet affidavit. Okay, so now that we know what's new with this new law, we want to know about what are the new requirements that have been eliminated by the new law? Oh, by the new law, two main requirements have been eliminated by the new law. Regarding the permanent residency, under the former law, you were obliged to deposit in a bank account in the name of the, of the home office or immigration office an amount equal to $5,000, U.S. dollars even though the amount was given you back in return once the applicant obtained the residency, it was kind of an issue because you have to immobilize a sum that is quite important, especially for, for medium-sized investor or small-sized investors. And you, you, you have $5,000 in a banking account three months, and that was like a sort of deterrent for people who wanted mm -hmm. to, to invest in the country. Sometimes people doesn't want to, for anti-laundry regulations, they doesn't want to file deposits into a bank account in a, in a country that they don't know, etc. Okay, no, thank you so much, Manuel. And also, on average, we want to know how long does it take to obtain residency? You mentioned like two or three days. For the occasional. And for the temporary and the, and the permanent residency, We have spoken to, to officials of the home office and they say they are processing now the permits, the applications on an average in 90 days, 90 days. It could be even less if the papers and the documentation are correct. Great, Manuel. And now that we have all this information, do you have any final comments on what to expect in the coming months with this new law? Yeah, even though the government has until April to draft the regulatory decree, some high-level officials of the of the Home Office told us that it is likely that they will they will enact the regulatory decree by February. So that's that's good news, and that will mean that some of the of the issues or some of the topics that we addressed today might 
change, but I expect that they won't change that much. Maybe we can have more details on particular issues, like, for instance, to confirm if finally the, the economic solvency, the proof of economic solvency was definitely removed or not, because it could be introduced some kind of proof with the regulatory degree. That's, I believe, it will be, it will, will be one of the main issues. But it's to, to be confirmed. But mm-hmm. I believe for the upcoming month, the, the main issue is the enactment of the regulatory decree by February. I will say March. Mm, okay, so we are going to be expecting if there are upcoming changes. And if they are, we are going to be contacting you, Manuel. Thank you Perfect. so much for thank being you, here with you. us. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you very much. No, thank you so much. And for our listeners, if you like to connect with Manuel Acevedo from Boga Abogados in Paraguay or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ELA.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download documents and on-demand content from our online library or access to the ELA's exclusive global employee handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance. I am Alexandra Aguilar-Garcia and thank you so much for listening.